Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth, where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to a brand new episode of paratruth radio my name is justin and i'm eric and tonight we are continuing our november thanksgiving ish series um the reason i say thanksgiving ish is because the topics that we've talked about last week and what we're doing today don't really necessarily go with thanksgiving but it kind of goes along the lines of Native American lore, as well as uh, colonies in the U.S. prior to it becoming a country. So today we decided to talk about skinwalkers um, and a little bit about Skinwalker Ranch. And the reason I decided to uh, go down this road, we decided to go down this road, is because A, it it does have uh, Native American uh, roots to it. But also, too, we kind of speculated last week about the lost colony of Roanoke uh, that maybe skinwalkers were the reason that the the lost colony was never found. Mm -hmm. So going into some of this research, it's pretty much what I knew. um, the, The one thing I didn't know, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with skinwalker lore, but um, apparently this is a uh, phenomenon that is strictly to the Navajo tribe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had never realized that before. I thought it was Native American lore in general, not a specific tribe. So it was interesting to look into. Now, something that I was looking at and found kind of fascinating in the research it talks about um, witches of the Navajo that are the skinwalkers. They're the ones that practice this this modality, if you will. Um, right. I found it fascinating because they talk about how the shamans are taught about good and evil magic, and the ones that are tempted are the ones that turn to witches and end up doing this type of uh, witchcraft. Now, looking into it yourself, what were some of the things that you were were seeing in the research that were interesting for you? 
Well, one of the things that I think uh, is probably most interesting is that there are actually two rather different takes on what exactly skinwalker is or how one can become a skinwalker. Uh, one is, as you said, with, with a Navajo, is that either A, you can be a witch and basically become a skinwalker, transform yourself, or the other uh, possibility or option is to summon a skinwalker. And in this case, the skinwalker is more of a spiritual form as opposed to a physical one. Uh, and I've seen both cases. I've read stories in both cases. Uh, the only difference is that A, the first one, the witch becomes one through her practices. And the other is that she performs some type of magical spell to open the portal, which would allow the skinwalker in. Uh, now, why exactly would be called a skinwalker at that point? I don't really understand, but I think it's because of its ability to take shape uh, or form of any animal or just about any animal. Most commonly, they're coyotes, wolves, uh, foxes, eagles, owls, or uh, crows. Uh, I don't know exactly why exactly like those specific animals, and I'm assuming they're probably relatively local to... Um, I guess the Navajo culture. Uh, well, what this says here is there; those creatures are most associated associated with death or bad omens. Okay, well that makes it foxes. That's weird. That's there's actually that, 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 sorry. That's weird to me that fox and uh, eagles would be considered uh, bad omens. Well, I coyotes, wolves, so. owls, and crows make sense right, to me. Yeah, I think it's more so those ones that it's talking about because what I'm reading here it just says. I usually include tricksters such as the coyote, but can include other creatures. It didn't go into detail what the other creatures. Okay. So gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there were a couple of other, you know, things that I, that I learned that was quite interesting. Uh, one, for example, is uh, what happens to a person when they lock eyes with the skinwalker. Uh, supposedly, if somebody were to lock eyes with the skinwalker, then the skinwalker would basically absorb uh, themselves into your body and take control of your actions. So a sense of possession, which, again, don't know if that's actually like a spiritual thing or if it's more so a uh, uh, like a, a mentality uh like a trick of the mind or whatever uh, to, to persuade you or make you believe that it's taking power uh, of your limbs or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't, I don't know if you had come, is, is that talking like the, the witch side or the spirit skinwalker? Uh, it, it, it doesn't actually that particular thing that I read doesn't differentiate between the two. Okay. Because the one thing that this is something that I've read years ago and has actually popped up in kind of pop culture um, when it has to do with uh, things that that change into animals like werewolves, that sort of thing. Uh, the skinwalker, if it takes on a human form, it ends up killing it or somehow uh, driving it insane in some way. And I don't know if that's because they get lost in the personality that they're trying to mimic or if it's something of a spiritual nature where it starts breaking down the host body if it's you transferring into somebody else's body 
I don't know, but it's just something that I've seen in the past. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, I, I didn't come across anything like that in the research. Now, did you see anything like that where it's not okay to do that? No, I didn't come across anything like that. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> the little article here that I'm reading, um, the Navajo witches is the main thesis on this. Now, since we've talked in the past about magic use and from a Christian's perspective, it doesn't matter what type of magic, good, bad magic, it's it's all bad to do magic. It's interesting that the Navajos somehow uh, differentiated the difference because of the medicine people being healers and they didn't do anything to hurt people and that's where the differentiation came from it turning into witches. So you're saying that the witches in themselves create magic but those who are healers even if that was magic would it be considered magic because they're helping somebody? Well no I'm just thinking like they when they differentiate good magic, bad magic, bad magic, witches, good magic, mm. healers. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So it it's kind of... Well, I mean, it, it, but that kind of goes along with much of the, uh, the, well, I wouldn't say folklore, but the, the history that we know about white magic and black magic. Uh, now, obviously, again, I yeah, you're right from the Christian standpoint, all magic is bad because it draws away from the power of God. Even those who claim to draw their power from God, uh, you're still relying on self instead of on the spirit. Uh, and I know there's arguments about that. There's people who say, well, I use uh, magic or witchcraft uh, through the spirit. And there is spiritual, obviously spiritual uh, witchcraft. And Aleister Crowley is one of those. Uh, people or individuals who claim to use spiritual magic in a way. Uh, and there are many others since then, too. Mathers is another one. Uh, and magic really relies on the spirit in some sense, but it's more so uh, a human spirit they're relying on and summoning the spirits of angels or demons in order to do the bidding. So really, though, even like even still, even in many of the magical contexts and books that you read uh, throughout history, you'll find that white magic and black magic are separated in the fact that white magic is usually used to heal or to create love or to help somebody where black magic is usually performed to destroy in some sense. So that's been around for a really long time. What's interesting about it, though, in, in regards to the Navajo is as far as I understand uh, most of the magical texts that we know of, the ones that were created in Europe, weren't given to the Navajo. They didn't have a particular text, but for some reason, it still translated the same, the whole white magic, black magic thing. And that in and of itself is really interesting to me and starts to make me believe that maybe it's more of a spiritual thing altogether, like somebody or something was teaching them at one point in the beginning of time how to use this magic. Because why else would there be such a interesting connection and similarity between magic on one side of the ocean and that on the other side of the ocean? Right, yeah. I mean, how would they know the distinction without it being taught to them? Um, 
and that that's something that I actually found kind of kind of fascinating too. We had the witches of uh, Europe who were crucified and, and uh, burned at the stake and whatnot because they were using any type of magic. It didn't matter what type of magic it was, but um, yeah, I, I think that you've got a very good point that it transcends continents. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that I came across was 14 facts about skinwalkers that you might not know. Now we've already come, or I'm sorry, the, it says that will scare the crap out of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice using the, a different word. There. Yeah. So, I mean, some of them we've already gone over. One thing that I was looking at, and it's kind of interesting, Rare, skin, rare skinwalkers can also have the ability to enchant the powder of corpses and use the substance as a poison dust on victims. Well, if you think about it, if you take a dead body, grind it into a dust, that is a poison in and of itself. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So, the legend of the skinwalkers originates with the Navajo, like we said. Uh, the Navajo language, the word skinwalker is yi, and I please forgive me if I mispronounce this, Nagalashi, and translates to he who walks on all fours. Skinwalkers have only entered in the public discourse relatively recently compared to other phenomenon. In 1996, a team of scientists ventured to Utah Ranch, a Utah ranch, which we'll talk in a little bit, to investigate a series of bizarre phenomena. Uh, if their other powers weren't enough, skinwalkers are also said to be able to run incredibly long distances, some say over 200 miles in one evening. That one's actually very interesting because that compares it to a, to, to a sense, um, or in a sense, to wolves who have the ability to run 100 miles in a day without giving up, no rest, it's just 100 miles straight. Now, 200 miles in one evening, that's ridiculous that sounds crazy to me that's i mean you're you're way beyond any type of speed that can be recording for a human i mean or whatever creature to be you know not in a vehicle um right but if they're translating from navajo maybe that is it could be i mean evening could you're right you're you're absolutely right but i still find it interesting because we're, we're talking about skinwalkers and wolves being one of those creatures that they can transform into who of course have the ability to run or go very long distances uh in one single day so right well and if, if it's true that these skinwalkers can run 200 miles it would make sense that maybe the multiple things that they can turn into lengthens the distance that any one set yeah. animal that they can do mm-hmm. would go. Uh, skinwalkers have a tendency to hang around graveyards and can dig up graves at an imp- impossibly faster speed. Not sh- It doesn't say why. Uh, while they can take many forms, many people who see, the, uh, see them today describe them as hollowed out dog-like animals. I'm not exactly sure what that means. It, Hollowed out. Like, that's a weird description. Um, and I don't know if it's like soulless, maybe, is what they're trying to say here. Or uh, see-through? See-through? I, I don't know. I mean, hollowed out is a really odd description. Right. Um, skinwalkers are said to recruit more skinwalkers themselves. There is some dispute in how this happens, but some say that there's an official ceremony and that skinwalkers only take their form 
with a gathering of people and specific chants. Now, that is kind of interesting because there are those that speculate that um, werewolves, if there are werewolves in the world, would be a, a, a pack creature just like regular mm-hmm. wolves would be. Right, right. Um, and that would make sense. I mean, if you're going on this, the whole basis that werewolves are indeed wolves to some extent, then yeah. And so you would then not only have your pack, but you would have a hierarchy as well. And I wonder, and I haven't come across anything, but I wonder if there's some type of hierarchy within the skinwalker community as well. Well, I'm not sure. I, I mean, there the stuff that we can look up is very limited. And from what I understand, it's because the Navajo are very tight-lipped about this. Uh, mm-hmm, they are, yeah. So, I mean, what little bit we're getting might be just from random people who have maybe left the tribe or something, so maybe they haven't re- revealed everything. Um, right. <clears throat> now, with all their advantages, it is said that you can kill a skinwalker if you call them by their true human name. Which is interesting because if you look at the Catholic faith, in order to uh, exercise a demon, you have to call them by their real name. Right. But that's not to say that calling them by their real name is enough. There's more to it in an exorcism. And so I wonder what they're leaving out here with the skinwalker. I mean, does does simply calling the true the true human name kill them, or does it just weaken them so that you're capable of killing them? And if that's the case, then what do you use to actually kill a skinwalker? Right. Well, and um, or maybe it turns them into their human form. That's possible too. Maybe you're just killing the skinwalker side, and they're being left as everybody else. Right. Um, well, one thing that I've another thing that I wrote, which I haven't come across recently, it was in the past. So it may either may have changed or maybe it was just an article that wasn't as factual as I thought. But <clears throat> I I had read somewhere that um, a lot of uh, people believe silver bullets, just like on the right. werewolf would kill it, mm-hmm. um, which I guess kind of makes sense because both the werewolf and the skinwalker are two creatures or humans or whatever cryptids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have this ability to change from a human form to an animal form. Right. Right. Last fact is skinwalkers are most commonly encountered near native reservations. So they have been seen all over the U S uh, most common place as, and most famous right now is skinwalker ranch. Like I said, we're going to talk about, uh, some people believe the rake, which is commonly encountered in the Northeast, is similar to a skinwalker, which I've never heard of the rake, but maybe it's a, something else we can actually cover somewhere down the road. Yeah, maybe maybe it's that, like just this random rake that comes out sweeping up leaves or something. <laughs> somebody somebody <laughs> takes the form of a rake and just rakes people's yard. <laughs> and the people are like, what the hell? There was leaves there. <laughs> now... Uh, it's actually really interesting because like I said, we talked about it last week where we were, we were thinking maybe, you know, somewhere down the road, you would come across an article that said werewolves were responsible Mm -hmm. for the Roanoke Island uh, colony. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then, and that uh, I said, well, maybe skinwalkers because 
they can take form of wolves, and in a sense, they would be werewolves. There was a human that turned into a wolf. So, right. <clears throat> um, real interesting stuff. Now, the, what was really interesting to me was that there is a correlation between Skinwalkers and Skinwalker Ranch. Um, and that's why I wanted to include Skinwalker Ranch in this because first and foremost, it was given the name Skinwalker Ranch because all of the different activity going on um, at this location. Now, I looked up some stuff, uh, another factoid thing on Skinwalker Ranch, and apparently stuff going on, uh, specifically UFO activity, has dates back all the way back to the 1950s in this area of the U.S. Now, mm-hmm. the Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is a property just 512 acres southeast of Ballard, Utah, which is not very far in retrospect to uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Utah mm-hmm. and New Mexico are very close. Now, <clears throat> this... This article talks about in, the, in 1970, uh, the family that owned the property at the time had reported different things going on. Um, George Knapp, who is now of uh, Coast to Coast fame, did several articles on this um, with sightings of UFOs, Bigfoot-like creatures, crop circles, orbs, poltergeist activity, um, there was also mutilated cattle, sightings of unidentified flying objects, uh, large animals with piercing red eyes that they say were not injured when struck by bullets, and invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. Now, interestingly enough, uh, I had heard somebody talking to somebody about Skinwalker Ranch because there was a documentary just done about it. And these people claim that one of these creatures it it was a wolf almost looked like a dire wolf from ancient history Mm -hmm. and they got so close as to touch it but then it started attacking the cattle right in front of them so they opened fire because they didn't want to lose the cattle it grabbed the cattle by the face and was trying to drag it away but the bullets didn't pierce its hide it almost seemed like it went right through it. Well, I mean, wolves, wolves are strong animals, you know. I mean, most creatures will back down just when they hear a gunshot. Um, but I'm sure there's cases in which a wolf has been shot once or twice and continued to move, especially a larger wolf. Now, not all wolves are larger. It really depends on a number of factors. Uh but it's still interesting that in this case, they're saying he was shot six times, which is a lot. Right. Well, you know, it should be enough to at least stun a creature of a dire wolf size. Uh, the account that I had heard about this wolf was almost human height. To okay. So almost like a super wolf. Yeah, a super wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out with its cape. <laughs> a little S on its chest. But, I yeah, I get what you're saying, too. I mean, especially if the wolf is aggressive, it, I mean, if you don't hit a major organ, it's going to keep coming for you. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not to say that. I mean, obviously, bullets eventually are going right. to have an effect. Right. But creatures like tigers and, and lions, you can take bullets, ele- elephants. I mean, you need a specific gun to kill an elephant or an alligator. I mean, there's, there's only one spot you can shoot an alligator and kill it. Pretty much you hit it anywhere else with a bullet, it's going to ricochet or it's going to have very little effect on the creature. Um, so it's, it's interesting that either this dire wolf was so big that its muscle mass... Uh, prevented the bullet from hitting vital organs and hence keeping it from, you know, falling over or whatever. Or it had some type of special, I mean, I hate to say because it like, makes it all that much more weird and supernatural, but some type of armor on it. Yeah. Now, uh, the interest, really interesting thing about this is uh, the property was bought by adamantium real estate in 2016 in 2017 they entered skinwalker ranch into the trademark bureau and in 2018 it was accepted so it now is officially called skinwalker ranch where before it was sherman ranch Mm -hmm. so i thought that was kind of an interesting fact because it has traded hands several times uh, since the the Shermans even had it, um, it was bought by Robert Bigelow, and Robert Bigelow was the one who sold it to Advanium Real Estate. But it's gone several through several hands. Now, some of the the interesting, actually, this was actually the most interesting fact that I found: uh, the Utes, which is another tribe, Native American tribe, will not enter the area of Skinwalker Ranch. Because they believe it is fertile territory for skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. The youths take this very seriously. They think the skinwalkers are a powerful spirit, not person, that are here because of a curse put forth by the Navajos generations ago. And the center of the whole legend is this ranch. The youths say that the ranch is a path of the skinwalker. Tribe members are strictly forbidden from setting foot on the property. It's been that way for a long time. Now, what is there any facts that uh, you find interesting about Skinwalker Ranch? I mean, there, there's a ton of different things, and a, a lot of it has to deal or, or revolve around the whole UFO thing or the alien thing. Um, one in particular story, or it's just a small story, is that this family that we've been talking about saw a UFO larger than two football fields in length and apparently had alien figures over seven feet tall walking in and out of it. Now, I, I don't know how close you have to be to, to determine how large something is in either sense, but that's still a very interesting thing. Um, but this also took place in the 90s. I mean, they probably had a camera and could have taken a picture uh, and they didn't. So I think a lot of what they're saying has to really be given up to like, I, I guess we just don't know, you know, it could all be stories. It could all be stories. Um, but one thing that I find interesting that, and I just want to point this out is that 
one of the common beliefs about skinwalkers is that they are indeed spiritual creatures and that the only way to summon them is to open a portal. Now, you and I have talked about portals in the past and more importantly, how portals coexist or could coexist, uh, co- coexist, coexist with UFOs. And that every time we see or somebody sees a UFO, perhaps it's not a physical uh, craft, but instead maybe a window or a door or, you know, some type of portal opening up within the skies. Mm-hmm. And that's where these spirits are coming from. And if that's the case, and we have these skinwalkers that are indeed maybe spiritual form, and there's also UFOs, then maybe they're linked and that these UFOs are actually just portals opening up and we're able to see them with the naked eye. Uh, and I mean, that's just one possibility or one conclusion. The other, of course, obviously is this whole, the whole Bigfoot conspiracy that links with it. And that's that these skinwalkers are in and themselves, some type of alien creatures from another dimension or another world. And they're coming in on these UFOs and then walking off or teleporting off the UFO and doing whatever they do whatever they do on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, but what I think what's most intriguing or interesting is why exactly Skinwalker Ranch in and, of it, in and of itself is so popular with these UFO sightings. Right. Well, it, it kind of makes you wonder, just like we've talked about in, in the past as well, how people can manifest these things just by thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Now, if so many people are interested in this particular area and they they hear the stories, come there expecting to see stuff, then I feel they're going to see stuff. And uh, the one thing I wanted to comment on about the the portals thing is you you had said something about you know Bigfoot and Bigfoot being sighted over here at Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch um, and the extraterrestrial key where they're being beamed up or whatever. I think that that portal theory can kind of take this, the same thing here where the Bigfoot is coming through that same portal as well, because a lot of people are speculating now that it's an interdimensional creature instead of a physical bone and blood creature. And um, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's the thing too. Like I've speculated with with other people and other guests and stuff. Like there, there's obviously some type of connection, but is it interdimensional? Is it uh, you know a different entity taking on these different forms, a trickster spirit, a demon of some kind? You know what is it? And you, nobody has that. 100% answer, which is why we still do a show now. But mm-hmm. now, today, we're linking so many different things. It's, I mean, even though I come on the opposite fence, opposite side of the fence than you do when it comes to different things, it starts to point to something in the more. I don't know if it's malicious per se, but it's definitely a trickster type feel to it. And in my mind, a lot of times that goes to demonic because demons are a trickster spirit. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> um, I mean, and you're right. There, there, there's a lot of uh, instances within these cases uh, that would say trickster spirit. I mean, there, there's just so much happening, almost too much happening in one place at one time uh, for it not to be some type of trickster uh, spirit. Unless the ley lines or, you know, whatever like that, uh, some type of magnetic forces uh, allow these spiritual and UFO related things that happen all at one time in one place. Uh, I mean, it, it just, I guess trickster is really the most reasonable thing to say. Right. At this time without doing like a strenuous scientific research to understand everything that's happening on the grounds. Right. And, and not many people have gotten a chance to go there and do uh, investigations. Well, from what I understand, the documentary, even though it covered stuff, it, it still brought up more questions that, than answers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, that's, that's what happens with most paranormal investigations. Uh, because in the end, e- even if we find some type of answer to something, we can never take it as a factual answer. It's not something we can write in the record books as this is a fact now because you really don't know. Right. You don't know who the spirit is. You can't see the spirit. You can't see it, feel it, taste it, touch it. You know what? All that. I said feel it and touch it. They mean the same thing. But you know what I mean? Like if you can't do all those things, then you don't really have a legitimate answer to anything. It, it needs to be 100% fact. And the only way to do that is to have everything that surrounds the situation or the case come together and basically meet in one place for, for something to be considered, okay, this here is a legitimate thing. Um, but unfortunately we only get two or three of those things. Sometimes one, sometimes less. Uh, and in the end it's like here, for example, how many EVPs are there are out there that we've heard ourselves? People have sent us EVPs and pictures and stuff like this. And the problem with an EVP, unless it's super, super clear, and I mean not just Class A, but beyond Class A, um, the majority of EVPs that we all gather in our uh, in paranormal investigations are really up to one's own interpretation. Because there's so many words that mean the same thing, or, or not, I mean, not mean the same thing, but sound the same, uh, especially when it's muffled or coming in on static or something like that. Uh, you know, someone might say, oh, it mean, they're saying blah, blah, blah. And then I say, no, they're saying blah, blah, blah. And someone else says, well, I hear. And then we don't really have a definitive answer. And we don't even know what it was or who it was. Well, the other thing, too, is the the power of suggestion and being able to say this is what i heard and then somebody's like oh yeah you're right that is what what it is absolutely no you're right you're absolutely right and ghost adventures actually is one of the shows i mean obviously that i watch we all know that um and sometimes they'll have a, a, a an evp and they'll mention we heard got an evp and they'll play it without any description or idea of what it's saying. They're just like, can you figure out what it's saying? And it'll, it, they'll play it. And you know, most of us who are watching that show will try to figure out what they're saying. And then they'll come back and say, this is what we think they're saying. And then they'll place a little, you know, title or whatever, a small sentence of whatever 
the embodied voices, disembodied voices saying, and suddenly it sounds like exactly what they told us it would sound like. And you have to question like, okay, is that really what they're saying? Or is it only because they told me what they think that now I'm just automatically for whatever reason, believing that to be the case. Right. Well, and that's the one thing I like about you and I is in most instances, you would say, or you would play it for me and say, you know, what do you think it says? And it's usually something different than what you're hearing. And even though you tell mm-hmm. me what you think it is, I'm still hearing the original thing that I heard. So right. um, I think that's where you have to start breaking down that type of stuff is if if one person hears something consistently, the other person hears something completely different. Maybe it comes down to as well, like we were talking about trickster spirit. Maybe it's playing on that. You know, it's it's coming across differently for each person because it wants us to hear different things for each Yeah, person. I mean, sure. That, that That's absolutely possible. So, all right, folks. Sorry for the little bit of a rabbit trail. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. You have been listening to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com. We will be right back right after this that's what ransomware is all about it's psychological pressure ransomware when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom attacks are on the rise and russian gangs are making billions of dollars the moment i got that message i knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through the post-cold war era is over dot com the hacking a new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for .com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. If you're just joining us, you're late. So hit pause and start over. Okay, that gives you your time to do that. So we're back. (laughs) My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about skinwalkers and skinwalkers. Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, we've covered Skinwalkers a couple of times throughout the past, uh, but we thought that maybe today was a good uh, 
time to recover the the whole skinwalker mystery and not just because it is something that is relatable to what we discussed last week and that was the roanoke island uh disappearance mm. you know uh way back when of the colony but um also because it in, it in some way correlates to our thanksgiving november episode uh and so we've discussed a bunch of different things we talked about like more or less where skinwalkers might come from uh who might summon them who might become one uh how they might work through the darkness and what they might do and understand and realize i'm saying the word might because despite all the things we talked about we still don't have answers (laughs) And still more questions, as we had also talked about just before going to break. So whether or not these creatures do or don't, or what they may do or may not do, is still up for grabs. So I think the reason for that is because nobody's really come face to face with a skinwalker. Not really. There's plenty of videos out there. Don't trust the videos. They are fake. The majority of them are fake. Probably all of them, to be honest. Uh, I have not seen a Skinwalker video, world video, anything in which a person transforms into a beast video that has been real. They've all been hacked or faked or whatever. So don't trust those. I've seen a couple actually in my research. I know you have too, Justin. Um, and I don't know if you believe any of the ones that you might have seen, but... I'm not buying it as much as I would like to. I mean, unfortunately in the back of my mind, it screams fake because it can be faked. So, um, right. Just because it's on video doesn't mean it's not because people are posting them up on YouTube and guess what? YouTube is all about getting the views and likes. So, Absolutely right. Uh, And it's a sad thing. But nonetheless, we live in a day and age in which everything needs to be tested before it can be proven true or false. So one thing, a couple of things that we did today, uh, kind of wrapping up uh, first this episode uh, is we, we found a bit of a correlation between skinwalkers and werewolves. We've also found a correlation between skinwalkers and extraterrestrials, which, again, is interesting because you and I, over the years, have found a number of connections with extraterrestrials through our cryptids. Mm -hmm. But we've also, in reverse, found extraterrestrials connecting in some way to spiritual entities, demons, ghosts, angels, etc., etc., and so I'm starting to wonder now if it's more or less an Ouroboros effect type thing, you know? Is it that what one is, one will be? Therefore, I mean, do you, I mean, I, I, before I even say anymore, do you, do you sound like you're about to say something, so I guess you understand what I said by that. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> um, and, and it's, I, I, I'm interested to hear what else you're you're going to say because it's yeah. kind of like what we were just talking about before the whole trickster spirit thing right no absolutely and all i was going to say was all i was going to do is kind of like um uh, i guess go into a little bit of details what i meant by the whole ouroboros type of thing because we all know what the ouroboros is it's the snake that's eating its own tail and basically that means it's something that is infinite right 
And in this case, I'm thinking not only infinite, but something that goes around comes around. And so we have these aliens or extraterrestrials that are these cryptids, but these cryptids may be spirits and these spirits may be extraterrestrials. And so we had the same thing happening just in a big circle. And we don't know which is which. It could be a spirit. It could be an alien. It could be a cryptid. And each one of those can be in and of themselves the other. Which leaves us only with more questions as to what exactly all of these are, right? Well, the the interesting thing to me, we had talked about how the whole good, bad, magic thing uh, right. span two co- continents. The same thing goes along the lines of the skinwalker lore and werewolves. Two separate continents, but a similar creature that can change from animal to human or vice versa. If skinwalker is a, a witch or person of any kind that is changing form other than uh, it being a spirit type entity that is changing form which, we, like we said in the beginning, there there is recollections of both. Um, right. So it, I found that fascinating in and of itself, too, how not only good, bad magic cor- uh, span two continents, but the similar, not exact, but similar lore of two different creatures span two continents. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that really ties all of it together is the idea of ancient aliens. And don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not saying that ancient aliens are indeed what you see on TV, these extraterrestrial beings from space. Uh, they could be anything. They, they could be from space. They could be demons. They could be gods of some sort. Uh, who knows? But what's interesting, very interesting, is how just about every single culture around the entire world Think about that for a moment because the world is huge. Every culture from around the world has some sort of history tied to a visitation from some type of alien or demon or spiritual creature of some sort. We see it on the writings in caves. We see it in books. uh, We see it in tattoos. We see it all over the place. Mm. And I, I think that alone is not only intriguing, but possibly leads us closer to some type of conclusion that these creatures, whatever they are, may be all one and the same. And for whatever reason, could be a trickster spirit, they take on these different appearances depending on the people group that they're reaching out to. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. In your in your opinion, is that what you lean towards when you think of whether werewolves, skinwalkers, something like that? Any well, whether there's if it's a, a, like a trickster spirit now. I mean, I'm starting to I'm starting to see more of a connection to these trickster spirits to to these whatever they are. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be the one to sit here and say they're aliens because I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, but I think that whatever they are, there are some type of spiritual something uh demon angel ghost whatever you want to call it um obviously i'm going to lean toward the demon side because i noticed that the majority of these these writings on these walls and within books uh they're often very dark 
they eventually lead to very dark things. They may show up all good and nice and everything, uh, teaching, uh, teaching astrology, how to, how to navigate by the stars and do this and do that. Um, but they eventually lead to sacrifices of humans, of animals. Uh, they, they lead to bloodthirst and a number of other very horrifying things. So whatever it is, uh, I think it is a dark entity. And I think that that dark entity not only is ancient uh, and has appeared to all people groups around the world already, but continues its work just in a different form today. So linking it to the Lost Colony, because unfortunately, Mm -hmm. folks, this is a very short series. There wasn't a whole lot we could link together for November. Um, Do you feel that if it wasn't um, some type of natural disaster or disease that that killed this colony, do you think that there could be some type of connection between what happens at Skinwalker Ranch and this lost colony? I mean... Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess it's possible. The only reason I say, like, the only reason I would I would question that is because it's not happening now in Roanoke. Well, right. So why, right. you know, why would it begin in Roanoke and and like begin with the original colonists and end with the original colonists? It just doesn't make sense to me, right? Or the first colonists. Um. So I, you know, I, I don't want to be the one to say, yeah, I think that, but I also don't want to say I don't believe that. Because I'm open to the possibilities. And if anyone has any like ideas or facts or just interesting thoughts about it, I'm open to hear it. So feel free to send that to us uh, via email. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I wanted to uh, announce before we start closing up is we are talking about doing a live show coming December 30th for our New Year's slash season six finale. Uh, where we're going to be doing um, call-in, uh, a call-in show. So if you're interested in doing that, please let us know so that we can uh, start getting things together to have people ready to call in. Uh, I think it will be a blast. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously have some people on standby to talk to us as well because we have a lot of people that have been following us from the very beginning um, and one person in particular, which I wanted to thank really quick too, is Jerry has been commenting rather often lately on each episode. So Jerry, thank you so much for continuing to listen to Paratruth Radio. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to Tiger Girl for God Radio releasing more episodes. And um, yeah, that's all I wanted to announce. Is there anything you had to say before we close out for the evening? Uh, no, I think we pretty much wrapped up this series. Um, you know, it, it was one of, it was a short series, but it was definitely an interesting, uh, and thought provoking series. Um, even though we've discussed some of these things in the past, it's finding new information. Cause like there's always new stuff happening, you know, coming out. Uh, so again, it's, it's just really nice finding that stuff and being able to present it to all of you, uh, who tune in. And uh, again, as, as it is Thanksgiving, I do want to take a moment just to thank all of you who, st- who, who do tune in to us every Sunday, maybe not Sunday, but every week. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I, I hope we we're doing justice 
for you guys. So I hope we're giving you enough. And uh, if there's anything you want more from us, then please feel free to reach out to us at paratruthradio at gmail.com. You can also comment on our Facebook page, Instagram, whatever. Um, just just find us and tell us what you're thinking. Uh, but yeah, I, I just have to say how thankful I am for all of you. All right, folks. Uh, we will be off next week to do a little break in between the series. Coming up the following week, we will be jumping into the Christmas season. So definitely look forward to some new and interesting stories that we have not done. One in particular, which Eric and I had talked about earlier on in the series, is there's this uh, connection to telling ghost stories during Christmas, which is fascinating to me that we don't do it anymore uh but uh stay tuned for all that and much more like i've said in the past you can find us on several networks now tmv cafe fringe radio network and conflict radio so check those places out uh conflict radio is the only place you will find us on youtube now we have all of our older episodes still on paratruth but our new episodes are always on conflict radio so that is all we have for this week Until, not next week, but the following, stay tuned to the same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.